bitch thoughts Sports news that top You know Chris said uh, Who got you taking all the shots Tell me like who got traded, who did not And what's the latest, well let's debate Just trust the process, you know we got this in-depth analysis Who's the baddest? Yes, right here, behind the line No bout, there's no crime Like and one, go for two Three, pull and drop to the hoop We cover it all inside the park The newest stud up from the bar It's deeper stalks DTB, you're tuned into the best you'll see Welcome to the Deepish Thoughts Podcast, episode number 29. I'm Chris Wardell, joined, as always, by Anshu Khanna. Mr. Khanna, quite a bit has happened since we last spoke. The NBA draft took place last Thursday evening, and uh, it, was, uh, it was as interesting as I think we all expected it to be. Maybe we didn't get a couple of the big trades we hoped for, but you specifically had a very big trade that impacted your team. The Chicago Bulls trade Jimmy Butler and what the number uh, the number seven pick in the draft sixteen pick in the draft I apologize to uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves for the number seven pick Zach Levine and Chris Dunn. What was your reaction when you heard this? Um, all right. Well, my first reaction was, did they actually give up the sixteen? Because right. you know, last year we went through this whole and it was basically going to be Levine in the number five for Butler. Mm-hmm. And that seemed light, but, you know, it was eh, yeah, not the going rate compared to what people were expecting from Boston or somebody else. But if they – so then my thought was, all right, well, if they just tacked on the seven to that, that's not bad, even though Chris Dunn was awful and Zach Levine blew his knee out. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they also gave up the 16, which was just – I just, I can't believe that they needed to do that. Like I, I just, it, it, and that's not like a a non-zero factor. You know, you're just throwing in a mid-round pick. We're talking about like a rental of Lamarcus Aldridge was for a lottery pick. Mm-hmm. Sixteen isn't that far out of the lottery. And I, I mean, it's I, I don't know. I it was I'll just say getting only the seven in what many people thought was a five-player draft was a tough pill to swallow, especially when. You know, it seemed like they could get a lot more for Butler, um, even though sources instead have said that, you know, that wasn't the case. It still felt like that was my, my initial reaction for sure, and it seems to be the case. Uh, that's how many others feel. How did you – what did you think of it right away or uh, you even know, now? Like you, I was kind of surprised that they had to give up that number 16 pick, and I think it hurts especially when you consider that, you know, with 16, Minnesota took Justin Patton, who is the player that both you and Matt wanted for the Bulls at the 16th pick? Uh, wanted, I kind okay. of expected, just because well, yeah. I just thought that they were going to do that. So we were texting when the Bulls made the pick, and they were on the clock, and surprisingly mm. there weren't any leaks about who they were taking until pretty close before. Mm. Um, and the rumor after the fact was that they were – dead dead set on Jonathan Isaac um, and they thought that they were going to get him they thought that the Magic were taking Monk I believe there was like a late uh, visit where Monk was went to Orlando and um, and if that was the case it's just another example of the Bulls hilarious failures of Gar Foreman and John Paxson to not read the room mm-hmm. um, and that's that's definitely been one of the major complaints of this regime um, 
but they get Lowry Markinen, who's an interesting player, I think, in today's NBA. Um, I never, he was never on my radar for the Bulls because, you know, you figure if they trade up, they're getting one of those top five. And this is a team that, if they have a strength, it's probably in the front court. Hmm. So, Markinen was a little bit unexpected, although when they trade for Levine and Dunn, that leaves a little bit more of a hole. Um, at the you know the four or three where wherever you kind of see Lowry sitting, four yeah. for sure four probably. Th- there's four. no way he can guard threes in the NBA. No, I'm not sure he can guard fours either. But well, he's not going to guard anybody. I, I guess <laughs> that's, that's a fair anybody. point. Yeah, he's not going to be <laughs> yeah. guarding anyone. But I don't think he can handle the ball sufficiently to be a three. I guess is the uh, is the factor that keeps him from playing that position. Uh, yeah, you know. Obviously, well, I, this this actually brings up an interesting question. What you you were just saying, were you on Twitter during the draft? No, well, not for sure. Up through the Bulls pick, okay. I just didn't want to know. I wanted to get that moment, you know. And um, unlike the NFL draft, the NBA draft is really spoiler central if you're on Twitter. So um, I knew about the trade because I had just a flurry of texts coming in from people that were wondering what the hell was going on. Um, but yeah, uh, so yeah, I didn't I didn't look, and then after seven or eight, I started checking Twitter and kind of following what the scuttlebutt was in reaction to that Bulls deal mainly. Yeah, cause I was I was trying to stay off of Twitter as much as possible because, and uh, you know, that would be pretty much entirely because I just didn't want picks spoiled. I did have a yep. number of picks spoiled, however, because ESPN thinks it's critical. <laughs> <laughs> that they send me every single pick in the first round, and oh. and I was uh, I was a little bit behind in certain points just because I had to pause and you know do some stuff. Stuff comes up, blah blah blah. But you're a busy man, busy busy, this. yeah, absolutely busy man. But uh, no, just stuff comes up during the night, so you know I pause it for ten minutes, and that's three picks. And then you instinctually go back to your phone, not thinking about it. And actually, I was I was borderline furious. Because it was around, for, you know, for my my viewing, it was around pick twenty six or something like that, and you know the seventy sixers are coming up in less than ten picks. There are there's two people on the board who I want more than anybody else, and that is Derek White and Josh Hart. And mm-hmm. I I look at my phone, not thinking about it, and I have updates that in the most predictable pick in the world, and this terrified me as it was coming up. The Spurs take Derek White and the Lakers take Josh Hart. Derek White is going to be an all-star for the San Antonio Spurs. I'm just saying it right now. Wow. I, I know you love him. Um, he's. It's funny that they took White instead of a guy that we had pegged for him, which was Mason, mm-hmm. um, but kind of similar in terms of the experience level. And some of the skills are certainly there. I, I mean, and you really like Derek White, so I, I would expect this to be a very good fit for them. Yeah, he's going to fit really nicely next to DeJounte Murray in that backcourt, too, because White can handle the ball as a combo guard. And, you know, Murray is a, is a little bit, let's, let's say, raw and be kind in terms of his ball. Yeah. <laughs> so it's going to be a really nice yeah. fit. And, again, I think the Spurs are just going to hit an absolute home run with this. They they came back and took Jerron Blossom game at the very, very end of the second round. That's another guy I like that. who is going to you know contribute to this team, maybe not in a giant way, but it's certainly going to have his role. Yeah, they did. They did very well. Um, let's talk about a couple of the trades that didn't happen, and that would be, you know, Kristaps Porzingis. First of all, is uh, still a member of the New York Knicks, and you know, Danny Ainge came out after the draft and said 
because of the stockpile of picks we have, it's leading to teams just asking for absurd amounts in trade. Um, sure. And it's sort of it's sort of prohibiting trades from being made just because people want so much because of what they have. I, you know, I, I can't – I just can't see a scenario where Porzingis is still going to be a Nick. And if you believe the rumors that came out today, the Celtics are gearing up for – Gordon Hayward and Paul George, and allegedly they're looking to they're waiting for Paul uh, for Gordon Hayward to commit before before really pulling the trigger on George. Um, do you think you think that's feasible? Because you know we've talked at length about what's going to happen with Hayward this offseason. and you know the Celtics were always right there. It's you know playing for his old college coach. They have a ton of money mm-hmm. available. It's a win now team. Can you see? Can you see a situation where this happens? Did they get Hayward and George? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely can see it. I, they're going to need to dump players, young players, just out of requirement. I mean, they have yeah. to get rid of some of those guys in order to free up the space required for those two guys and to fit Horford in. And then you're probably thinking you can't extend Isaiah Thomas in that scenario, right? Like, I mean, assuming you're you're trading for George and not just renting him for a year because that wouldn't make a ton of them, um, depending on the return, obviously. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not sure I don't have the, the cap numbers in front of me. I know you're the resident capologist with uh, the trade machine, but uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that's the benefit to accumulating all these draft assets is they cost basically nothing. And so by, by drafting the Tatums and the, you know, Jalen Browns, um, they're able to stack their roster both with guys, high-priced veterans like Horford and Hayward and potentially George, but also capably filling the back end with guys, high-talent, upside guys like Tatum and um, and Jalen Brown. Yeah, how does – I mean, you're right. People are going to have to be moved, though, because let's let's play out a scenario where they do get both Hayward and George. You now have, what, Jay Crowder, uh, Gordon Hayward. they got to Paul- get – Paul George, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum at small forward. Yeah, you're. I mean, I gotta think Crowder goes in that deal. Possibly Bradley too. I'm not. Although Bradley's got to be cheap right now. I think Crowder's on his second deal. Is that right? Well, I. Uh, so that sounds that sounds right. I think Bradley's making ten a year right now, and he's a free agent next off season. If I am. Uh, remembering that correctly i could see you know i could see crowder and brown being part of a deal to indiana for uh, for george just those two i mean potentially a, a draft pick as well but that's you know yeah. that's decent value crowder is crowder is a good defensive small forward brown is the number three pick in last year's draft and i mean i guess mm-hmm. that means mm-hmm. nothing since the number three pick in the draft before that is jaleel okafor um <laughs> And yeah. you know, a first round pick going to Indiana as well. But yeah, that's a that's a pretty oh, solid then, return. Then you're now you're talking. Now you're talking. If you get that number one pick too, because nobody can beat the Celtics assets. That's the reality of the situation. Mm-hmm. Like Ant can say whatever he wants, but at the end of the day he does have those assets and the teams can say, like, you know, this may or may not be your best offer, but you know, we're not gonna there's there's some middle ground where it's not they can't just offer their own first round pick next year and think yeah, that's enough. Like, no and that's kind of, that's kind of what's, that's what rumored 
to be what was part of a Jimmy Butler offer. They weren't offering the Nets pick. They weren't offering their own number three pick this year because they were set on Tatum. And so if that's the case, and I'm not, compa- I mean, I am comparing Butler to George, I guess, but I can't imagine that George who could be a wow would demand more. Hmm. But if, if, you know, there's, there is like some major drop-off point, right? And, and if they're not willing to trade one of those pieces, then George is just going to go somewhere else. Yeah, I know. I, that's absolutely true. And actually, I've read that the backup to Hayward, had Hay, if Hayward decides to stay in Utah, mm-hmm. could be Blake Griffin. And I wonder if he doesn't yeah. make more sense in terms of positional fit, bringing in Griffin and Paul George rather than, than Gordon and Paul George. Um, yeah, it's a tough... I just think that you've got Horford. I think you've got to do something about that. I, I like, yes, they can all play together, but I think I would rather have two big wings like George and George and Hayward than, I mean, Griffin and, and yeah, yeah. you're saying Griffin and George, right? Griffin and yeah. George, right. So, which oh, would be fun. Okay. Which yeah. lineup do you like more? So lineup one is theoretically, Isaiah Thomas, Gordon Hayward, Paul George, Amir mm. Johnson, and Al Horford. Uh, lineup two is Isaiah Thomas, Avery Bradley, Paul George, uh, Blake Griffin, and Al Horford. Oh, boy. Bradley's That's, uh... valuable, man. You know, Twitter, yeah. Twitter was going nuts when Avery Bradley didn't make one of the all-defensive teams. So you're saying in either case, Crowder's on for either way. They're trading for George, right? So it's mm-hmm. basically. So is Jalen Brown gone too? I'm saying scenario? Crowder and Brown are gone. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because because that's a factor. Like if I could get rid of not get rid of, but say it's a three, maybe two of the threes, Crowder and one of the other swingmen, then Griffin becomes less important if you've got Jalen Brown, who's kind of got some vague Griffin similarities in terms of positional redundancy, mm-hmm. and so. Yeah, Brown going then it makes Griffin more of a more of a better a better fit. I, I agree with that. That's a, that's a good point. But in a vac, I mean in a vacuum, be, the two players, I I think you'd rather have Hayward, um, and especially with the Brad Stevens factor. Sure, sure. But you know this is they are in a position kind of like the 76ers where although you know further along, where you have all of these assets, but you sort of reach this tipping point where the assets aren't really as valuable as they are were in theory previously because you just yeah. don't you just don't have spots for people you yeah know, what agreed. is let's say the the celtics do hold on to both of those draft picks they have next year and they pick one and three and that's, they can't they're just running out of room that's what i'm saying you know what good yeah. where do michael porter jr and like luka Doncic fit on this roster so I mean, it would be you're good. just not resigning Thomas, right? And now you're getting nothing for a top well, free agent. And you add you add more guys at you know, Porter Jr. becomes granted the best, but the third small forward you've drafted in the last three years in the top three. Yep. And mm-hmm. and Doncic, you know, he he can be your starting shooting guard down the line, but that's still another six eight player you're adding to this team. Like you you have to trade in these chips. For the bigger pieces at some point and that's you know that's one of the reasons i didn't mind you know what philadelphia gave up in order to get to the, the number one right. spot because what good are all these picks they have to become something well the problem and the big difference between those two teams i think is that 
the guys at the the six and I hate to explode your head even more than it is about the Sixers, but the guys that the Sixers have are all blue 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 chip players, right? Like you're talking about Simmons and Bead and uh, Fultz. and Fultz all being like potential stars. Yeah. Whereas the guys with the Celtics, I mean, I'm the president of the Jason Tatum fan club. I don't think that he's even close to a guy like Simmons. I think he's close to Fultz, but I, I fully admit that the ceiling on Fultz is much higher. And so, I, I mean, the Celtics are already behind the eight ball in terms of trying to find those blue, blue chip players. That's kind of why I always thought that they were a good option for Butler because of what you're saying. Like, there is a premium that you'd think would be placed on these players. But judging by the return for Butler, that maybe doesn't exist. And, you know, we'll see if and what they give up for Paul George. But, you know, I, I completely agree with you. And I would think that a team like the Celtics, having gone through this for several years now, would recognize how difficult it is to find these players and then acquire them as well and then put a little bit of a premium on that. Um, and, I, I, you know, I keep thinking about this. I don't know why, but it reminds me so much of the Cubs trading for Aroldis Chapman. Mm. So st- stay with me here. But mm-hmm. the, the Cubs have, like, a ton of prospects, right? Like, they have the best farm system, and it's just waves and waves of good players. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when someone comes to them and says, you know, if they go to somebody and say, hey, we want Chris Sale, the White Sox say, well, we want Schwarber and Baez and, you know, Eloy Jimenez and whoever. And the Cubs say, laugh it off and hang up the phone. Mm-hmm. Same thing over and over again. So when ultimately the Cubs rent out or oldest Chapman and have to give up Glaber Torres, who's the number two or three prospect in all of baseball and like three other really good players, people are kind of like, really? That's that. I mean, for a rental of a closer, but you have these assets and teams are going to look for them. Right. But, and there's a premium on these players. So I, I just, I feel like the Celtics are in a similar spot. And if they just keep, grabbing and accumulating players and this is an even worse more egregious offense in basketball than baseball because you can only play five guys at a time it's not Mm -hmm. like a 25-man roster so i mean your point is really well taken and i just think that you know they've got to do something with these players because i i don't think that they're getting like the star power in a league that needs stars to win championships right and i just witnessed this with the 76ers you know this isn't nba 2k we're dealing with real human beings who have egos and get upset because they have expectations you know i don't know how much longer you know your marcus smarts and your terry rogiers and your jalen browns and your jason tatums are going to be okay playing 10 minutes a game Mm-hmm. I agree. And that's why I think you said Anthony Davis a couple weeks ago, or maybe even last week. And maybe they're just holding out for that one Godfather player. Right. But like, I just don't know how realistic it is. How often are players like that traded? Does it ever happen like that? Like uh, all time greats, especially when they're 24. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't care what, like, what are you saying? At what point did the Pelicans say, all right, fine, we'll take Rozier, Tatum, you know, uh, give me a, give future me a new first rounders? Lineup, basically. Yeah, and maybe you get that. But then even then, if you're the Pelicans, you're like, well, we can't win a championship with that roster. We've seen what the Celtics have done. So I, I just... I just don't see what they're waiting for. Like, are they just trying to hit more and more dart, take more shots of the dartboard and hope ultimately one of these guys is LeBron or Durant? Like, I mean, that's what they're going for, right? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I'm looking at because you you asked an interesting question: is that how often do these guys actually get traded? Um, you know, how about I, I guess I guess does are we counting Love because you know Love was a heck of a player in Minnesota before he I got, think Cousins Love Cousins. How about you know Kevin Garnett getting traded to the Celtics? Um, even though that he was a little bit older at that point, and I mean you can go back and look at guys like like Will Chamberlain getting traded, but uh, I, yeah, even Kareem. But you know these Shaq. these Shaq guys do started. get Shaq. There you go. Um, oh God, who else? I'm just like the point I'm trying to make is like all time great because I think that's that's what we're talking about, Anthony Davis. Like mm-hmm. in terms of, and we're not sure of that, but at least fine you can vaguely see the outlinings of a Hall of Fame career already and um, and you know you're <laughs> the Pelicans probably still hang up the phone right you just say the words Anthony Davis and they're like alright see ya like there's no you could give us every one of those assets and it'd be tough for us to go with that so it's <laughs> it's just really hard to do that and they're just I think they're just hoping one of these guys turns out to be that player yeah, I guess Harden got traded, but it was really that trade that facilitated Harden becoming who he is right exactly. now. Exactly. Right, right. I, yeah. <sighs> yeah, that that is really, really, really a tough thing to do. Um, it's, you know, and the other thing is, it's just like, what's your plan? You're planning a strategy, but you're not, there's no specific right. target. You're just saying, we want the flexibility. Is that really a strategy? I mean, there is. Like, you're splitting the baby here big time. And I know it's like, it's kind of a hot take, but it's the truth. It's like, you know, at some point they're going to have to cash these in or else they're just going to all be average. And to your point beyond the ego thing mm-hmm. and like each of these players wanting to play as much as they want to, like there's just not enough time for these guys to develop. Like, yeah. you know, you want Jalen Brown to play a lot of important minutes. He's not getting that chance. So right. how do you ever know? Yeah, you're talking about a scenario where like Jason Tatum could see D League minutes, like that shouldn't That's happen. Seriously, that should I not mean, happen. Well, right. and, you know, let me throw another name out there. You know, he's not quite Anthony Davis, but even younger. How about Porzingis? Because you can see a path yep. where Porzingis becomes one of those all-time great kind of players. Now, it's not any sort of guarantee at this point, but you can certainly see how it could happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I agree. I think that so if the, what was the rumored trade that the Knicks threw out there that everyone sort of laughed off at? It was like the Nets first. Oh yeah, it was the, right. It was crazy. The Lakers, what was, the Lakers was, first, Jalen Brown, and something else. I think. Yep, and maybe Jay even Proud. the three this year. Yeah, this three, this year's three too. So yeah, that seems like a lot, obviously. But aren't you just praying one of those guys turns into Porzingis? Exactly, and aren't, <laughs> and aren't like, you better right now if you have Porzingis? Aren't you better over the next five years if you have Porzingis? And it. Really isn't right. that what matters? Do you think that they have a specific plan with that, or is it kind of like let's wait out LeBron and hope he goes last, and then we'll capitalize at that point without any specific guy? No, I think I think Danny Ainge loves the idea of all these draft picks, and I think he's yep. the kind of guy who, especially once the pick is made, he has a hard time dealing pe- dealing people because you know you read the mm-hmm. interviews with him, and these are it seems like these are his children. Like he talks about them in such such effusively glowing terms, like, and I just don't think he wants to deal anybody after he gets them into the organization. Yep, I completely agree with that. Completely agree with that. I think that there's no plan. I think it's all straight up. Like, I got all these assets. 
This was my doing. Mm. I'm not trading him. And I'm not trying to be a, like a douche about it, but that's really what he's like, you know, what he is. He's, he is like, he clearly feels like I've won these trades. Mm-hmm. These are my my collected pieces, and I'm going to see them through. But like, look at look back at all these. If they traded one of these guys, Smart, Bradley, you know Crowder, all mm-hmm. hey, Rozier, every single guy that we're talking about are all first round picks. None of whom have been dealt. Like, didn't think of one guy that they've traded. No, I mean, and it gets to the point where you have to start cutting people. You know, uh, the the shooting guard from Kentucky. Um, what was J Jason J oh God, what was his name? James Young. Like there's there's oh, no, yeah. there's no room yep. for James Young. There's there's that that guy does yep. not have a spot. And you know, and it's insane. Th- there's also a ticking clock because these guys are gonna have to get paid before long. I mean yeah, you that just, and their their value's diminishing. Too. Sure. Sure. Like all, long, like, every and, day, and they're aware every of it. Season. Yeah. Well, so they're afraid of selling for pennies or whatever, a quarter on the dollar, but you know, it's better than nothing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what they're going to see. And they, I, I will say this about the Celtics. I feel like they're like, yes, everyone agrees. They have the best collection of assets and whatever and they have for a while and they continue to do so. But have they drafted not very well? Like, can we say that? Like, can, can we say that these, the pieces that they've cashed in or that they've that they've taken and have a hold of, are these guys not that good? Yeah, like, I mean, I, you really like Tatum. I know that. I was not the world's biggest Jalen Brown fan. I thought that was a reach at three last either. year. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, James Young was, you know, looks like he was Terrible. a bad, bad pick. Although maybe in a different situation, he has a little bit more of an opportunity. You know, Rozier is a nice player, but he was overdrafted. Smart is a nice player, but he was probably overdrafted. Uh, you know, it's clear to see what they were going for with those picks and the style of player they mm-hmm. were looking for. Uh, so, you know, I'm not knocking them by any stretch. But, yeah, it's just it doesn't make a lot of sense. Because if this team right now could add a Gordon Hayward and then trade, you know, trade Jalen Brown, Jay Crowder, the, the Lakers pick and the Nets pick for Porzingis, and you go into next season with Isaiah Thomas, Avery Bradley, Gordon Hayward, Porzingis, and Horford, with guys like... Mm-hmm. You know, with the Tatums, with the Marcus Smarts, with the Rogiers, with the Linux off the bench, that's a team. Yep. That's a team that can go to the NBA championship. Now, I don't know if anybody's beating the Warriors, but the goal is to get there. You got to get there to win. Yep. It. Completely agree. I. That's why I asked the question about their approach because I don't feel like they're playing. I mean, we'll see if a Paul George trade materializes, but mm-hmm. I don't think they're playing for the 2018 title. Um, obviously. I mean, maybe not obviously, but it seems that way. And then I don't know if they know if they're playing for the 2019 title or 2020 title. And maybe they're just saying, hey, let's just keep giving ourselves chances. Let's keep as many doors open for as many future titles as we possibly can. But there's no, like, conducive – I mean, there's just – the strategy is really strange to me. And, um, like – you don't have to cash in all your assets either, but like no. you might as well do it with a couple of them. I could not agree more. Like it, if you can get a Porzingis, that seems like that's why you're accumulating these assets. Yeah, no, I I totally agree, and I like I'm all for for breaking it down and building it back up, mm-hmm. but they're not in that spot. They don't need to be because they have drafted oh, fine. They've drafted fine. And Isaiah Thomas has been an incredibly pleasant surprise for them, and that's helped 
move them along to where they are, which is a pseudo contender in the conference, but they're not, you know, they're not winning a title with this group. And so in lieu of hoping that you draft a run into your, to a blue chip with some, you know, ambiguous future lottery pick, mm-hmm. you might as well get one. You might as well go get one. Cause I think they could have. Well, and, you know, another interesting thing to think about is, is what happens with Paul George, because, you know, again, if you, you read the stories that come out today, there are some people suggesting that George would be open to re-signing with the Cavs as long as LeBron would stay there. Uh, you know, and that that's not a foregone conclusion by any stretch of the imagination. But let's say that that does happen, that LeBron signs oh. LeBron signs a three-year extension or something like that. Um, and that, oh, God, I can only imagine how much money that's going to be. That's like $155 million or something. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Um, you know, Paul George signs a, an equivalent extension. And, le- and let's say, you know, he, Kyrie, Love, blah, 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 all of them are free agents in three or four years. So all mm-hmm. of a sudden, you know, the Celtics, Isaiah Thomas is 28, Bradley's 26, uh, what's his name? Oh, Hayward would be 28. So those mm-hmm. guys, you know, they're now 32 by the time the Cavs break up. Like, it, it's a tough situation to be in because, yep. you know, are you thinking that you're you're good enough to challenge this team? Or are you planning for a post-Cavs world? That's exactly. why, again, Porzingis That's... is 22 years old. Exactly. It's not like you're trading for veterans to win today. And, you know, you're, you're going for the future, guys. Like, Hayward is that guy, though. Hayward and Horford would represent a team that's trying to win, and Isaiah Thomas mm-hmm. would be re- uh, representing a team that's trying to compete today and next year and the year after that, but will likely fall off relatively significantly after that unless, you know, I guess unless you keep gra- keeping the asset. Maybe that's their plan. Maybe it's all we want to give up is money and we want to retain every one of these kids mm-hmm. and we will take our fault, like, you know, we'll take our shots where we can. And if none of them develop, none of them develop, then they'll just be supporting cast pieces to the free agents and trades that we've made already. But it just seems backwards to me. And I'd rather be more decisive than that than let like what LeBron is doing dictate what we're doing. Right. You know, I agree completely. Yeah, I, I agree completely. Cause you know, cap space is finite. You can only sign so many people. You need these young guys yeah. to develop and, uh, and it doesn't matter. Like, so what's the what's the upside in three years? You have you have Porter Jr., Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum. Like, where do those? How mm-hmm. do they all play? Yeah, <laughs> and whatever. Maybe say Doncic. Maybe. Uh, well, I guess like Aton or Bamba would probably be a, a little bit cleaner. Yeah. On the roster. True. Um, and maybe Hayward. Did you say that? I, I, maybe like Hayward. a thirty-one, thirty-two-year-old Hayward. Maybe Blake Griffin. Yeah. There's, Blake Griffin with pretty bad knees. Roster. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know Isaiah Thomas is a, he's five foot nine and he takes a beating. This guy is not going to hold up over the long term. He's he's at his peak right now. He's probably going to be there for another two two and a half years. But eventually, that the physicality of the NBA is going to catch up to him. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I is Isaiah, I thought Isaiah Thomas was a free agent after this coming season. I believe I so. Could be yeah. Wrong about that. No. I, so I, I that's, that's correct. I mean, I'm guessing they don't sign him to a full max because of who he is. But how can't you? Somebody's going to. So yeah, I mean, yeah. if you want to keep him, don't you have to? Yeah, I, well, I don't know if they do want to keep him. I, I don't think I would want to, frankly, but, you know, 
Well, you know what you I know, said. I, I really. You know what I said earlier in this. Uh, earlier in this. Uh, I guess it's not off season, but post draft process or pre draft process uh, was that if I'm if I'm the Celtics, I have to draw a hard line with Isaiah Thomas because yeah. you have to see what he is and what he's going to be moving forward. And you know, I'll pay him a ton of money. You know, like you said, it's only money. But you know, Isaiah, yeah. here is here's a three year, seventy five million dollar extension. I want you to be my sixth man. <laughs> I love. I think that's super creative and a very good idea, especially given his defensive issues. What, but, what uh, defensive issues? He got all in all NBA defensive teams. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That's. Uh, I would like to see who actually made that vote. I thought Ryan. Do, yeah, Andre, I, do I you mean, know the one player in the NBA who had a worse RPM than Isaiah Thomas, and there was only one? Uh, who? No, I don't know. I'll, I will give you a hint. He has ties to the Chicago Bulls. Ties? Is it Derrick Rose? It is not. It is not Derrick Rose. And I will give you a second hint. He's white. <laughs> uh, is he? Uh, not Miritich. Uh, I don't know. Who is it? I will give you a third hint, and this will be the final hint. Uh, his McBucket? Co- his college coach recently left for a new job. It is, in fact, the, the the only player worse than Isaiah Thomas in the NBA in RPM is Doug McDermott. It was McTuckett. All right. It yeah. was. The one and wow. only player worse than him. Granted, you know, there's there are no perfect defensive metrics, but, you know, RPM and, uh, you know, defensive box plus minus and all of that stuff are are pretty much as close as we get. And yeah, he is absolutely a terrible defensive player. I almost guessed Okafor just to make you, but I didn't. Well, thank, thanks, buddy. He is. You know, <laughs> you know, you know who else surprisingly rates out as an abysmal defensive player is Who's one that? is a player in that same draft as uh, Mr. Okafor. One, Carl Anthony Towns. Huh? Yeah, surprising. That's right? very surprising, especially given his coach. And his just general skill level, I'm, I'm pretty surprised. Well, he's, I think he's one of those guys, I'm looking for I'm looking for the basketball reference page, but I think he's one of those guys who, kind of like a, a, bi- a big man version of Iverson, where mm. he, he makes splash defensive plays, but doesn't actually make the, the fundamental defensive plays. Yeah. Oh my God, he had such right. a good season, though. And he's never missed a game in his, oh my God. Yeah, I would still happily take uh, take Towns over Okafor, with yeah. uh, all things being said. Really? Uh, yeah, his, his <laughs> getting out on a limb there. Yeah, right. Don't hurt yourself. Hot take here on the show today. Carl <laughs> Anthony Towns is better than Jalil Okafor. Um, yeah, his uh, defensive box plus minus last season a zero point one two. As an athletic yeah. seven foot shot blocking center. I, that team is going to be really interesting, though, aren't they? Like, yeah, oh for sure. Are they making the playoff? Are they cracking the playoff hunt now? They have to. I mean, I don't. They seem like they're incredibly eager to trade Rubio, and you know, I think Rubio is a sneaky one of the like more underrated players in the NBA. So, I'm not. Oh, yeah. I'm not thrilled with that. Although I, I get what they want because they want more shooting from the point guard position, and I don't understand. Yeah. I don't understand how Kyle Lowry makes sense or will fit financially. That's the guy who tends to be uh, really tied no. to that team in free agency. But so be it. Uh, I would just keep Rubio. But they're yeah, they're going to be incredibly interesting. Like that, yeah. that could be a team that takes a, a gigantic Philadelphia 76ers esque leap. Uh, in, <laughs> God. In the, uh, it was so in, 
third. in the playoffs what, next year. Hey, uh, our own good friend of the show, uh, Matt Hoover from Tankathon, projects the Philadelphia 76ers to be the number seven seed in the playoffs next season. I mean, the I East that, is really, really bad, so it's very much in play. And the 76ers are really, really good. Yeah, I'm not well, even saying potentially. I'm the... just willing it into being. <laughs> yeah, whatever you say. Hey, Joel man. says he's going to play all 82 games next year, so uh, you know, you got to trust that. Right? Yeah. I mean, if he plays like 40 seconds a game, that seems very likely. Uh, you know, would I take that? What is? What do I get? In this, <laughs> what do I get in those forty seconds? Like on average, that's like you know a block and half a rebound or something like that. Yeah, his per forty minutes stats are going to be like a hundred points. He's just going to break all. Of the oh yeah, that would be crazy. Metrics. I think I'd yeah. probably rather have him play more than that than the the fun fact of having these weird per forty stats. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. Well, we will see. Um, did you watch the NBA Awards last night? No. First of all, why? Okay, well, I was interested in for I was interested in it for one award specifically, obviously. But can I tell you what? I'm not the world's biggest Drake fan, and that's pretty much an understatement. He was hilarious. Oh, Drake! That's a absolutely hilarious. Like I would, I would 100% encourage everyone listening. If you haven't seen it, go watch his opening monologue. Super duper funny. Wow. Super duper funny. Good, uh, First good comedic timing. Yeah, the guy's talented. Like I'm, I won't argue that he's not talented. He got, he's got that all that acting experience from being on Degrassi. So. <laughs> oh my god, I forgot about that. Because <laughs> Cordell is nothing if not a an aficionado of comedy. So honestly, I would, I would take him up on that. I'll, I'll check that out just on your recommendation. No, seriously, do it. Everyone should do it. He was, it was very, very funny. If you watch it, you will laugh. And uh, speaking of uh, aficionados of comedy, super excited uh, that I reached out to uh, a comedian who I'm a big fan of yesterday uh, via Twitter. He got, he got back to me right away. And uh, we're setting up a time for him to come be on the show at some point. So wow, super hyped for that. Yeah, that. Most of you will not know what his name is, but that's all right because I'm going to enjoy it. And that, isn't that really what, all that matters here? <laughs> It is. It literally is all that matters. <laughs> this, is just, this is just for me. Like any, anything else that comes from it, it's, it's gravy. Uh, yeah. No, but it was excellent. Uh, less excellent, however, when exactly what I think a lot of us thought was going to happen happened, and uh, Malcolm Brogdon became the NBA's rookie of the year, aren't you? Yeah, and, uh, you know, I don't think don't anybody has it. any... Don't justify it. <laughs> I wasn't going to. Don't I was going to say... I was looking forward and saying, I don't think anyone has any disillusions about what Malcolm Brogdon is or will be, right? Like, he's he's, he's like uh, Todd Gibson in that, you know, being like an older impact player right off the bat, which made sense, like coming from Virginia and, you know, the 3 and D style that they like to play and mm-hmm. slow it down. I mean, I think that it made sense that he would be good right away, but obviously looking going forward, the Sarge's and the, you know, the Embiid's are going to be obviously a lot better. Hey, um, Michael Carter Williams was MVP, oh, Rookie of the Year in the NBA. Whoa, so. yeah, maybe a summer league MVP at one point. But yes, yeah, yes, former unfortunate Rookie of the Year. Uh, yeah, he's gone on to have a great career, right? I mean, I haven't been keeping up with it, but I just, I can only imagine that he's having a spectacular <laughs> career. 
coming off of that rookie of the year. Yeah, agreed. Can I ask you a question? You just can. to reel this back to the yeah. Bulls, but because I, I want to talk about it for a sec. Sure. What is, is there any hope for Chris Dunn? Did you like yeah. him out of college at all? And what, like, what, why would Bulls fans have any hope for this deal other than I like Zach Levine, but give me some Chris Dunn positives. Yeah, for sure. I think there's there's reason for hope for Chris Dunn. You know, this is a guy who has taken a while to sort of acclimate himself to whatever level he's been at. You know, this this was not a player who walked into Providence and dominated from the, the get-go. You know, it took four years yeah. for him to turn into the player that he was. Now, I, I think you'd like to you know, quicken that timeline a little bit and not, not be waiting till the last year of his rookie contract where yeah, getting anything has and he's yeah. an older player for sure, but yeah. you know, you're talking about a guy who, you know, while I've never really fully trusted that his jump shot was going to translate, and if last year was any indication, those those uh, suspicions were justified. But his jump shot is not broken. Like his shot is not broken by any stretch of the imagination. He is a, a very very high level athlete, and you know he and he's a, a potential high level defensive player. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't have any problem seeing him. All right, so let's see numbers he put up last year. Last Bad. year, okay. Last year, Chris Dunn played 17 minutes a game. Uh, played in 78 games, starting seven. Shot 37 percent from the field and 28 percent from three. Almost 38 and 29, but those numbers are still not, still not good. Uh, posted yeah. three, 3.8 points per game. 2.1 rebounds, 2.4 assists, and a steal. His per 36 is per 36 is 7.9 points, 4.5 rebounds, 5.1 assists, 2.1 steals, a block, and his per 36. Um, you know, shooting, shooting. There's this fallacy that the great shooters in college basketball come in and immediately become the great shooters in the NBA. That's never been the case. It's a yeah. you know, it's a longer three point line, and while while you certainly see great shooters in college being above average shooters in the NBA the rookie year, there's always a struggle and there's always a period of adjustment. So I do think Dunn's three-point shot is going to normalize a little bit. I don't think he's going to be a plus-plus three-point shooter to use some baseball scouting parlance, but... Yeah, I like that. 70-grade. Yeah, yeah, he's never going to be a 70-grade three-point shooter, for sure. He's more of a 45 out of 80 three-point shooter. But That's still better than I would have expected. Honestly. I can all right. So I'm going to make some predictions for you right here, and uh, judging on his oh, I th- like it per 36s. Um, you tell me. Bad. <laughs> yes, just that's that's again. Just so I just before you say that, I, yeah. like the 78 game sample is what scares me most. But please go ahead. That Minnesota team was was broken for some reason. I, I kind of look they at really them. Were. I kind of look at them like the old Mike Pettin Cleveland Browns teams, where they were just so fundamentally oh. broken at the core that you really can't judge the players fairly <laughs> off of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, Fair enough. All right, so. Anshu, you tell me, uh, should we assume that Chris Dunn is going to be the starting point guard on opening night and have uh, have uh, more than a fair share of, uh, of slack on his leash? I honestly don't think so. Really? I think that they're going to... Rondo? First of all, maybe, or else or, they got Jaron Grant. They've well, got stupid Cameron Payne that they burned two decent assets for. I, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if Chris Dosich, Dunn wasn't by the way? starting. What's that? Does this eliminate Teo Dosich no. at this point? 
Yeah, I think I think after trading Butler, does, he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't okay. make sense at this one, unfortunately. And the age is a factor. But yeah, I'd love for them to still get him. Yeah, it'd yeah. be fun. Um, let's just say Chris Dunn's going to play like starter esque minutes. So let's say twenty three minutes on. a game. Yeah, I think that's that's a good good guess. All right, so we'll say Chris Dunn's going to play twenty eight minutes a game. We'll say he'll start. Let's say he starts thirty five games next year. Um, just for various reasons. All right. 28 minutes a game. I'm going to say, I'm going to give you a per 36 numbers just for argument's sake. Uh, oh, baby. Let's see. I, w- I want to note these, honestly, because I want these for when we circle back on this. Well, Anshu, as luck would have it, we are recording this. Oh, wow. <laughs> Technology. Unreal. All right. Uh, per 36 is from Chris Dunn. <laughs> playing 28 minutes a game for the Chicago Bulls in 2070-2018. 13.2 points per game. Okay. I'm taking that. Oh, God, there's nobody, Gladly to, pass, there's nobody to pass the ball to. 5.8 rebounds per game. Damn it. For a, oh, 30 minutes a game? Per 36s. Another? Per 36s. Oh, per 36s. Okay. okay Not okay. per 30s. Um. Six point seven assists a game. Mm, all right. Uh, steals one point eight steals per game. See that? Okay, that is the one stat from last year that gives me some optimism. Yeah, he's a defensive player. Because, and, well, you like all of them. He rebounds, he plays defense, and he passes the ball. He just could not put the ball in the basket. He has no one to pass the ball to, and yeah, he can't yeah, shoot, which is a problem. But that's yeah. true. He had all he had to do was dump the ball down to Towns and get an assist last year. This year, it's not going to be so easy with Robin Lopez. <laughs> no, and potentially that Zach Levine, who is very likely to be their best player for the first, who knows how long. And uh, and one point one blocks per thirty six. Okay, out of a point guard, I'll take that. So and okay, uh, and what I guess we haven't given the more the more salient and important. Uh, numbers though, shoot, Chris yeah. Dunn is going to shoot forty point eight percent from the field. Okay, and thirty three point six percent from three. It's got to start with a three. That's that's all I have to say. Thirty three point six. Yes. If he's still under thirty, then it's that almost in and of itself is a disaster. But um, still not good enough, probably. But that's—I mean, you're you're assuming that Chris Dunn has now developed quite the floater, which is something that he has severely lacked at the pro level. That I thought would translate nicely from Providence. Honestly, um, he's been—he's so I never liked him as a prospect. Yeah. Honestly, I thought uh, that he was—we know, I'm sure. <laughs> and that's when you would throw that out there that he was going to maybe be a bull. I was like, oh, jeez, mm. please no. But, uh, you know, like the one thing that I think translates is his physicality yeah. as a point guard. I think that he's got the frame to be a solid rotational Rozier type point guard. Um, I think, I think you're actually shoot. selling him short. I mean, I hope that I'm saying I'm, <laughs> That's fine. I, I've made a, I've, I've definitely made a habit of doing that with Chris Dunn. But the one thing I think, so you think he's a good enough athlete too? 
You like his oh, athleticism sure. as a 23-year-old? Okay. For sure. I'm terrified of his shoulders, but I like his athleticism. Acho, I'm going to make a further prediction for you. This is going to be a 2018-2019 prediction. Okay. About, and right about two years from now, ironically, we're going to be talking about Kriston as a potential most improved player candidate two years from now. Wow. Man, you really like him. I like it. Or I like is it just? Fit, I like the fit in Chicago because I think he's gonna. Fit, right. I think he's gonna get the reins sooner rather than later, and I think I there's so. gonna be definite growing pains. But he's gonna turn into a, a nice NBA point guard. Maybe you know, maybe not a, a superstar, maybe not a potential all star, but certainly a nice starting point guard. Okay, I'll, like I said, I will gladly take that trajectory, and I think that look, the Bulls have gotten run over by the national media for. Very fair reason, I think. But let it let, let's call it what it is a little bit here. Chris Dunn was the number five pick last year, and everyone loved that pick. I mm. feel like many oh, people yeah. really like him. We tried to get um, the three to get him. We tried to get the three desperately. Yeah. So yeah, Bulls wanted him. You know, a lot of teams seemed to want him. Mm. Um, and then you know, Zach Levine before he got hurt was really playing very well. I thought. Mm. Um, like I mean, he had. Like, we know his explosiveness with the dunk contest and all that, but he was shooting, like, a really good rate from three, if I'm not mistaken. He's averaging 19 points or something. I watched the Beagles play at the Bulls last year, and I was particularly impressed with him over Wiggins. And I'm not saying – I'd obviously rather have Wiggins, but I was just most impressed with Levine as, like, you know, out-of-town stupid a little bit. I, I don't think that I appreciated just how well-rounded Levine's game had gotten. Um, obviously, the injury's a problem. And then you get Lowry Markinen, who's, you know, he got drafted where he probably should have. I don't think that he's ever going to be a top three player on a champion, but mm-hmm. he definitely has a place in today's NBA. And, you know, if, if indeed the Celtics weren't offering better than that, their own first rounder next year and some combination of maybe like a young veteran, probably not Jalen Brown, you know, I, I, I commend the Bulls from us if only for the fact that they picked the lane. Mm. But, you know, and so so what I was trying to say was I think that they bought low on a couple of players that had potential to be and who were thought of well across the NBA landscape. Would you at least agree with that? And that is a very low threshold for compliments. But... Yeah, what I think is interesting is they went and got a defensive player in Chris Dunn and an offensive player in Zach Levine. You know, Levine, what, you know, there, there's definitely a And marketing. And Mark. oh, absolutely. Um, you know, there is definitely a lot to like about Zach Levine. I think one of the big things is you could tell the game was slowing down for him, you know, every mm-hmm. single year. His, you know, and also he didn't have the responsibilities. They tried to make him a little bit of a point guard that first year, and that was, mm-hmm. you know, that was stupid. That was, and but, the second year. But his usage rate has stayed about the same. It's been between 21.7% and 23.5% all three years. But his turnover percentage. Did he go down his last year? Uh, it, it was 22 0, 21 7. So it's all been very similar, but it, it was the yeah. lowest of his career. Okay, interesting. Specifically, uh, in an interview I listened to today, said that he his usage rate was way down last year. So I'm interested to hear those numbers. That's yeah, it, it, was, it was not, if you believe basketball reference. Uh, but the one thing <laughs> that you I absolutely did. can like is that his turnover percentage went from 20.4% as a rookie to 12.9% to 9.9%. And that's what I'm talking about when I say I think the game's slowing down for him. Now, 
Uh, Twenty percent. Well, yeah, I mean, he's not a point guard. You know, he's, the guy's a shooting. Yeah. The guy's yeah. a, a scoring shooting guard, and yeah. they, they yeah. try and make him play point guard. That's just that was not going to work. And especially yep. as a nineteen-year-old rookie coming from a school that wasn't very good at that point with that UCLA yes. team. Uh, the one no. thing that does terrify me is, you know, <laughs> while his while his VORP is is getting better every single year. One of those stats that continuously seems to stay the same is his uh, DPPM. And his defensive box plus minus is abysmal. Like, every single defensive stat suggests that he's a bad defensive player. Or, you know, at least an apathetic defensive player. But I would be worried about a guy who's putting up a negative 2.4 DPPM under Tom Thibodeau. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we saw also Carl Anthony Towns' numbers under Thibodeau were pretty low, too. So that, I mean, but yes, that's not ideal. Um, I, I think that what the Bulls are hoping for there is just let's just get an exciting, high talent, yeah. high upside type player. Like he's never going to be the two way player Jimmy Butler was, but maybe he'll be the scorer that you know they're probably hoping. I mean, who knows? Like we can't go that far, but like DeRozan or you know someone like that, not that good, but you know like an offensive first player. I think he can be that good. Let- I, I I hope so too. I like I think that I don't know. I I always get nervous about the knee. Like I said yesterday yeah. on Twitter here. Like I, I mean I can't both say that I'm not concerned about his knee and say that I am concerned about Dennis Smith's knees or you know whatever. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, like I, it'll be very very interesting to see. He is the he is the key to this deal by far oh, of course. to me. If, if, but the way the way this trade is being talked about, though, that's not that's not how people are framing it at all. No, it's ridiculous. They're just it's Levine. you know like I, I mean, I, it's Levine or, or the whole thing is a complete dumpster fire. Yeah, I, I see a scenario where Levine scores. I mean, he scored 19 points a game last year, and is as a 21 year old. Why can't he score 23 points a game as the number one option on the Bulls? Oh. I, I'm sure that he's hoping that. I'm sure they're hoping that too. I and mean, granted, it just so happens to come before a contract year, but yeah, yeah. I I think they're already looking at extending him. Um, they should in his be interview doing today. It right now. They should be doing it right yeah. now. Because if you can get this yep. guy, if you can get this guy for, God, I don't even know. We're talking about in Philadelphia. We're talking about like fifteen million dollars to eighteen million dollars a year for Robert Covington. So I don't even mm-hmm. know what's going. That's a range. Yeah, that, I think it's got to be higher than that. You, I mean, you got to be talking about, you've got to be in the eighteen to twenty-two range for Levine. Wow, and, and I mean, coming and, off a knee, coming off a knee, and but you're and you're just hoping that this looks like a good contract three years from now when you know you're paying him twenty-two million dollars a year and he's scoring twenty-four points a game for you when similar players are. I mean, it's not it's not crazy to say similar players are going to be making forty million dollars a year at that point. I mean, in terms of points per game, no yeah. doubt, and offensive production, it's definitely possible. But I I think this is I think there are layers to this deal that are fascinating, and they all and they all start and end with Levine to me. Like I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> the the fact that Butler and Levine are they hypothetically play the same position and they kind of are the same height and maybe not the same frame obviously it would be much lighter but you know the fact that they're such they play the game at such different levels they mm-hmm. play so differently and i'm, I'm just going to be i'm so interested to see how levine plays as the primary option for the first time since 
you know, I guess he was their rookie year, right? He was their, their highest pick that year. Um, but I, I don't know that he's ever been that guy in the NBA. I'm interested to see if he's ready for the challenge. Let's take a look at that 2000, uh, 2014 Minnesota team. Uh, oh, well, so uh, Andrew Wiggins actually won the team that year. Levine, what? Levine as a rookie was... Well, Wiggins wasn't there till 2015, right? 2014-2015. Uh, oh, okay. 2014-2015, yep. yeah. Wiggins and Levine, both their rookie seasons. And, yep, that would, that's right. And Wiggins led the team in scoring at uh, 16.9 points. Uh, yeah, 16 point. No, he didn't. I'm sorry. Kevin Martin led the team in scoring at 20 points a game. <laughs> Uh, okay. Wiggins was second. Thaddeus Young was third. Shabazz Muhammad fourth. Nikola Pekovic fifth. Mo Williams sixth. Gary Neal seventh. Corey Brewer eighth. Ricky Rubio ninth. Finally, Zach Levine comes in tenth. Uh, four oh, God. four right. tenths of a point that. over Gorgi Jang. <laughs> Ooh, that's another one. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a rough one. But, yeah, the guy's going to score the ball for sure. I'm actually one thing I'm seeing right now on his page that I I wasn't aware of previously is that uh, this suggests that he's not going to be ready to start the 2017-2018 season because of the torn ACL. What are the expectations right. in Chicago? That's that is exactly what I was thinking. That's why I think that they'll. That's the concern with Chris Dunn's assist numbers to me because I think they'll yeah. they will take their sweet sweet time with Zaglavine because he is so important to what they want to do, um, I assume long term. And so, you know, in their ideal world, I think Levine is the second or third best player when they're good. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like I mean, I would guess that October, maybe even into November, um, you know, you're looking at a full twelve months, right? Like I mean, he got hurt in December. Or January, if I remember correctly, I, I went to a game and I think it was in November, or December, and uh, yeah, he was. So he was a late injury. Yeah, he played forty-seven um, games. So he okay, played, played so more than half January, the February. I'm looking. Yeah, okay. uh, it looks like it was February third. He suffered the injury against Detroit. Okay. So is there is it gotcha. feasible that they fill it off the seventy six? I don't think in? he misses the year. Oh. Because, I mean, I, I, let's, I not, let's not kid ourselves. The Bulls are in hardcore rebuilding mode. Oh, no question. So, they have one of the worst rosters in basketball. Is, is there – okay, so this becomes a really tough problem, however, in terms of his contract. Right. Uh, that's and, exactly what I was thinking. And that's why there would have to be for – them, for them to do that and for Levine not to throw a stink about it, there would have to be a contract in place beforehand because he's not going to want to be penalized for them sitting him out being cautious. That's a good way right. to destroy a relationship before a guy ever plays a game for his, your team. Uh, um, Bulls aren't known for being particularly good to their players as it relates to injury, so well, Dang and Derek Chris will tell you that. So yeah. what, what's the, what's the, the dream for the – is Aton the dream for the Bulls next year? Like who else makes well, sense? Donchick, oh, I guess is John Donchick's what a two probably for he's you. A, he's a he's a two who handles the ball. Yeah, and you know if they've got Levine and Don, if Dunn's any good, I guess Porter probably. But I, I just I love Porter. I think they I think they're not in a position to draft by need only. Uh, I think I, Porter, Porter fits. I guess Porter and Levine are a little, I think, a little redundant. I need to watch Porter well, six, more. Well, six five but, and six ten though. Yeah. 
Yeah, Porter, yeah, Porter's a 3-4. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a fit there. There's still a fit there. I'll tell you what. I really do think that Aton's going to be huge at Arizona this year. I think Aton is going to be the number one pick in the draft. He's so talented. And I've never, I've never really gotten it with Michael Porter Jr., I mean, really, he's one of those guys who, you know, I you read all about, you see the highlights, and it's like, oh, wow, that's unbelievable. But I've never actually, and granted, I've never watched him play a high school game, just, just the all-star games. But I've mm. never seen him and be like, wow, that's a star. Now, it's, all, it's also not to the point where I'm watching the McDonald's All-American game back in the day, and everybody's talking about Harrison Barnes being the next Kobe Bryant. And I'm literally just talking to my screen wondering how anyone was dumb enough to say this (laughs) because i never ever 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 saw it with harrison barnes do you think they're similarly passive and i mean that's an interesting comp though (sighs) yeah i i never saw it with barnes porter i can you you can at least see that the skills seem to be there even if they i haven't seen them translate uh, clearly, they have in other scenarios. He's been he's been great in AAU. He's been great, you know. Led Nathan Hale to the the four A championship in in Seattle and uh, Oregon last year. Um, mm-hmm. But I've ne- I've just never seen it. I, people talk about him like he's the sharpshooter from the outside, and I've never seen him be anything but bad. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll be. I'm sure we'll both be paying very close attention oh, yeah. to this college basketball season for that exact reason. Yeah. No. I thank guys. God. Thank God that Sixers trade happened like it did, because now college basketball is still interesting for me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not that it wouldn't be anyway, but no, it, it'll be. No, for sure. But, you know, last year I had, uh, you know, because Comcast, one of the things Comcast does well is you can set favorite teams and it just automatically records it. So uh, anytime they're on. So I said, you know, I had I had UCLA and Washington and Arizona and um, NC State and North Carolina and Duke. I think were the were all the teams I was taping last year. Yeah, that covers it. <laughs> and uh, you know, this year it'll be you'll you'll have your your Missouri's, your Arizonas. Kentucky. Yeah, well, Kentucky. I had Kentucky last year too, of course. Yeah, uh, Kentucky. Oh, okay. I want to I want to watch Mo Bamba, Texas. Uh, I'm, I'll tell mm-hmm. you what. Uh, Michigan State too, for sure, because you know Bridges coming back and Jaron Jackson's going in. Uh, probably Ala- pro- probably Alabama because I think Colin Sexton is a guy who could conceivably be a fit Ooh. for the 76ers. Um, okay. And the, but the other team is going to be Miami because first I love this Miami team. Uh, they have they have a shooting guard named Lonnie Walker coming in who is from around where I used to be. And I was pretty mad gotcha. when he, he spurned Villanova, but this is you know a top fifteen player in the class, and I think he's another guy who I see as a fit for Philadelphia long term. And they have they have a point guard who I can't talk enough about uh, by the name of Bruce Brown, who I Ooh, think okay. is he, he's Westbrooky to me. He's not Westbrook, wow. but he's Westbrooky to me. Uh, and okay, so I, he's big and controls the ball. And you know, he's a he's a he's a big you know he's. Probably similar in terms of uh, in terms of physical size to Westbrook, and you know he has that same sort of like he's a rock. You know, there's it's, there's not a lot of uh, not a lot of baby fat with with Bruce Brown at Miami. Um, you know, probably like probably you know, listed at six five, probably six four, about two hundred pounds right now, and I think this guy's gonna blow up. I think interesting. I think Bruce is he a big prospect? 
Uh, let's uh, let's see where people have them right now. Um, the NBADraft.net. I guess I should be checking Tankathon because of our affiliations to Matt. Yeah. Uh, NBADraft.net does not have him in the first round. Um, they have Troy Brown there, so that's one thing. Let's see if Matt has him. Tankathon and their new mock draft up uh, fairly recently. Actually has him at 17, so good for Matt. Um, I think I think Bruce Brown's going to be Matt. I think Bruce Brown's going to be a top five to seven pick when the draft comes around next uh-huh. year. I absolutely love him. I think he is a he's a consistent three point shot away from being one of the best players in this class, especially if he is actually closer to six five than six three. Let's say. Um, you know, wow. He is gonna do everything for you. Uh, super, super talented defensive player, big time athlete, and uh, if he puts that three point shot together, yeah, I think he actually shot it fairly well. He's around thirty five percent last year. Jump that up yeah. to thirty eight, thirty nine. Yeah, he's a top five pick, and uh, yeah, I said first. And, and what looks like. And thank you. I'm, I'm sorry. Just to finish this, one more, one last compliment to uh, to Mr. Hoover because I didn't even notice this. Uh, Bruce Brown, the number 17 pick to the Philadelphia 76ers. Oh, there he is. God bless you, Maddie. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's interesting. How, did, how is this draft next year stacking up in terms of discussion class specifically? And I guess you can throw in a couple sophomores like Brown and, um, and uh, Michigan State. Kid, the Bridges. Miles, Miles Bridges. Um, yeah. Well, Robert, Robert Williams as well. Year? Yeah, what what do you think of it compared? And I mean, this is obviously a That's long a way away, but how, how do you feel about it compared to last year and future years? Uh, I, you know, I've been saying this whole time. I think next year's class is better in the top five. People talked about this was a top five draft in 2017, and once you once you got out of that, there was a little bit of a fall off. Yeah, you know, I, I think that, that yeah. I think that's going to be even more of the case next year. Uh, you know, with Porter, yeah. Doncic, Aton, Bamba, and whoever that fifth guy is, there will be another person who steps up, be it Jaron oh, Jackson boy. or Hamdu Diallo or Brown or Bridges or whomever. Um, you know, it, oh God, it's hard. I have more questions about the players this year, even starting from the top. You know. I, I like I said I I'm not saying Michael Porter Jr. is going to be a bad player or a bust. I'm saying my opinion of him is incomplete at this point. I need to watch I need to watch Missouri play a little bit next year to get a feel for that. But certainly have a question there. You know, in terms of Aton, super talented, incredibly talented. But there's been questions about you know does he float to the perimeter too much? Is he a little bit too laid back? You know, in terms of Mo Bamba, you know you have a seven foot seven wingspan reportedly, but does he have any semblance of an offensive game? You know, Wendell Carter at Duke is is a guy who can he play defense or is he is he a slightly shorter Jalil Okafor? And they're certainly not a place. They're certainly you know that's not an insult either. Okafor is the number three pick in the draft for a reason. This is a talented guy, but there's not a place for a power forward version of Jalil Okafor in the NBA today. There's not even a place for a center no. version. Um, no, there isn't. Trey Duval at Duke just doesn't have a jump shot yet. You know, and uh, until he has one, you're not going to be able. To, you're not going to have to respect him, and take the drive away. You know, actually, Jaron Jackson. I, you're talking about a skinny player who needs to add strength, but I think he might be the most complete player of anybody we've talked about at this point. Um, uh, Diallo is. I mean, I get. We'll call him a redshirt freshman, I guess. Um, I think he's going to have a giant year. I think he's the focal point of the offense for Kentucky. 
uh, probably like a 15, 16 point a game guy. And I think at the end of the day, 10 is probably going to be too low for him. He's gonna, I think he's going to go higher than that because of his athleticism and defensive upside. I love Sexton. You did just. Uh, I love Sexton. He is probably the most and natural. And Sexting. Um, pro- Sexton, probably the most natural scorer in, in this class. And he's going to put up a bunch of points for the Crimson Tide, but. He's a six foot two scoring point guard who is probably a six foot two scoring shooting guard. You, you love Kevin Knox, but he's another guy where I just haven't seen it yet. I've read people talking incredibly positively about him, but it's another I just haven't seen it. Um, PJ Washington at at Kentucky is going to be in that same that same group with Vanderbilt and Nick Richards and everything, where is there just going to be a playtime for them? You know, how are they going to? How are they going to show what they have or uh, playing 10 minutes a game? Or are they going to be the next Wenyan Gabriel and Sasha Kilia Jones? Uh, Gary, yep. Gary Trent's going to score at Duke. So there's another shooting oh, guard who's, who's going to put points on the board. And I'll tell you what, Mitchell Robinson at Western Kentucky, Rick Stansbury in that Western Kentucky program, he is going to be outstanding. I, I think he might lead the country in blocks per game uh, as a rapidly yeah, developing skill set. And uh, that's definitely the one where when you look at like the full, um, you know, McDonald's All-American and where they're going uh, and you see Western Kentucky, it was kind of one of those like, who is that kid and why is he there? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a Donald Foyle going to Colgate. <laughs> and uh, well, actually, the I'm not sure if this is still the case, but the last time I looked at the 2018 recruiting rankings, uh, the top committed player was Carter Gorder. And I could be pronouncing that wrong because it's one of those weird C-A-T, C-A-R-T apostrophe A-R-R-E or something like that. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but he was the number eight player in the country when I looked, and he was he was the top top committed player going to St. Louis. Whoa, the Billikens. Yeah, nice. the Larry Larry Hughes <laughs> finally paying off for yeah, St. Louis. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Oh man, but I mean, the reality is, you just listed off. 20 or so guys yeah and 15 guys any so. of those could be good i mean that's that's a long solid list i mean you know and you'll always have your and you got Doncic, you've got you know random foreigners that'll break in and and you know some of those guys will drop off some will mm-hmm. stay whatever but you know it's definitely interesting that already going to next year thinking about it that way and i think that that already pertains to a better deeper draft than this one well let me give you a name right now right before the before the college season started you and i were talking and and now it's it's more relevant to you than ever because i said Anshu, there's this guy who you know he isn't well known by college basketball fans yet and you know played overseas he's this big seven foot finnish guy and his name's lowry markinen <laughs> and I, I think he's going to be a top five oh, pick. God. so i just i missed that yeah. but there's a yeah, there's, there's a player named ru hachimura uh, he redshirted at Gonzaga this year. He's a uh, he's sort of a black Asian, a Blasian, and uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, he you know, he's super young. That's why he redshirted. But outstanding okay. shooter, big time body, uh, like six eight, six nine, two thirty, just built like a man. And uh, mm-hmm. I I think he's a I think he's a top fifteen pick. I think he blows up. They actually have another uh, another guy, uh, Killian Tilly. His older brother was uh, drafted a couple years ago, or was in college basketball a couple years ago, who redshirted this year mm-hmm. because of some injuries, who's going to have a big year. But Ru Hachimura from Gonzaga is, a, is the guy okay. that comes, comes out of nowhere this year. 
I'm in there. All right. I'll, I'll keep my eye on him. And uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to be very aware of it because the Bulls are very likely in full tankathon mode with the nod to Matt Hoover because they're, they're looking, they're looking to break that top three for sure with the current just awful group they assembled. Where does uh oh right I guess Matt had to do it like three or four because I saw that that uh, correction you sent him. <laughs> yeah, I had, I had to run it through my algorithm, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's looking. I, you gotta think that there aren't many rosters worse than this one. Although the the Nets are definitely vying for that. All right, quick quick lottery sim, and the Chicago Bulls get the number three pick in the draft. Uh, stay at three. Orlando picks one. The Celtics pick two from the Lakers, followed by the wow. Bulls, and then the Celtics pick four from the Nets. Let's go to the second sim. I want to see how long it takes for Philly to get a pick. Uh, Philly picks. <laughs> it, okay, this works for me. Uh, it's not ideal, okay. but I'll take it. Um, second in the second sim, the Chicago Bulls pick number one, followed by the Phoenix Suns, New York Knicks, hey. the Boston Celtics from the Nets, Orlando, Sacramento. Philadelphia from the Lakers, so I'll take that seven pick. That that that's okay for me. Okay, yeah, you're getting you're getting a Jaron Jackson. You're getting a, uh, you know, maybe one of those top guys flips. Maybe an eight eight You think Aton might go one, don't you? I do. I, I think you're probably in the like Hamadou Diallo kind of uh, kind of range at eight for Philadelphia. Maybe a Bruce Brown. Uh, you know, depending on what kind of season Michael Bridges has from Villanova. That's a, a guy I've been big on for a long time. He just he's another guy who needs a kind of like OG Ananobi-ish kind of just okay. needs to put it all together um needs to play well he's Michael's played played enough but I need to see that three-point shot be a little more consistent hey before we uh before we wrap it up we haven't really talked about the draft at all so <laughs> let's let's do that real quick um probably not give it the the conversation it deserves, but I'm just bringing this up. So I think, you know, Fultz obviously goes one, ball goes two. We've talked about this ad nauseum. Your guy, Jason Tatum, a.k.a. the Boston Celtics, think is the next Paul Pierce, goes three. Josh Jackson mm-hmm. slips to our Sonny and Phoenix guys, and perfectly at four, Fox five. We knew that was going to happen. I yep. said Isaac was going to go six. Nobody listened to me. Uh, you know, we've talked plenty about marketing going seven to the Bulls. Um, that, you know... Look, I still I'm, there's never going to be a time where I can say this guy's name, and I, I've seen it pronounced 400 different ways. Nilakina, yeah, Nilakina, whatever. He goes eight to the to the Knicks. We kind of knew that was going to happen. They were super big on him coming up to the draft. Uh, Dennis Smith goes nine to the Mavericks. That was his floor. Knew that was going to happen. Ten gets interesting because you know we have our t- first trade at ten, and this is inter- This was this was fascinating to me, and this is kind of what I hoped was going to happen for Sacramento minus the first part of it. Portland trades up to get my guy, Zach Collins. You know I love Zach Collins. Um, yep. Makes a lot of sense keeping him out there uh, in Pacific Northwest. He makes a lot of sense for the, the Trailblazers. But they give up the 15 and the 20 pick. So not quite giving mm-hmm. up uh, not quite giving up the 5 and the 10 like there are some, you know, some talk about. But Sacramento gets the 15 and the 20. At 15, Seems like a lot. It did. Uh, at 15... They take Justin Jackson, who you like quite a bit. I'm not as high on. And at 20, I wanted them to do this so badly. Uh, they took Harry Giles from Duke, pairing him uh, with yeah. pairing him with last year's flyer power forward uh, pick, mm-hmm. Scalabissier. So they're just kind of throwing stuff at the at the wall right now, and seeing what sticks. And I love that for the for the Kings. 
I do too. And I think that they did a good job of mixing it up. Like you couldn't have more of a high ceiling, high floor combo than Justin Jackson and Harry Giles, yeah. right? Like, I mean, yeah. those guys are at polar ends of the spectrum. And uh, yeah, I, I, and I love that with Darren Fox. I, I, I can't believe we're saying this, but I kind of like what the six, what the Kings did. Don't you? Like, and, yeah, and, very and then they added Frank Mason too. Yeah, no, very. I, I absolutely love what the Kings did, and and you talk about like Jackson and Giles being polar opposites. Well, you're also getting polar opposites at the same position in De'Aaron Fox and Frank Mason. Yeah, I get that, but you know, he who knows? I'm, I'm, well I'm saying that's a positive. That. I'm saying that they're they're adding yeah. a lot of skill set. Yeah, I think that there's a decent chance Mason plays more than Fox early on, potentially. Mm, you know, like. So. I mean, I'm sure they're going to force feed Fox into the lineup, but I don't think it's a bad thing to have two guys that are no. at similar, maybe not stages of their career, but you know what I mean. Yeah, no, I, I think this was a great draft. Really, really a great draft for the Kings. I, you know, And I like it because I don't think you're going to get a ton from anybody right now. I think it is going to be two or three years before they're good, so that, that, uh, that pick we have from them in 19 is still very much valuable. But, oh, yeah. Um, so... At 11, I'm thinking to myself, okay, Malik Monk is still on the board. And I, I don't want to pat myself on the back too hard. Uh, you know, I like to think that other people will do that for me. But I, know, I also said <laughs> – I'm sure they will. I, oh, thank you. I also said that I think we're going to be surprised at Malik Monk dri- dropping a little bit on draft day. And I think this mm-hmm. was always the range he should have gone in. He was just so overhyped during the season. Uh, love this pick for Charlotte. And I was thinking to myself that, man, if I'm Philadelphia – I am trying so hard to move up and get this pick right now uh, and, oh, and have, the, have the chance to take – it would probably – for me, it would probably have been Kennard, not Monk, but but to grab one of those two and put them with this young lineup, I would have been just all over that. Uh, I like his fit in Charlotte, though. Yeah. What, what do you think of Monk in Charlotte with uh, with Dwight Howard? <laughs> I don't know about the Dwight Howard part, but okay. I do like Monk in Charlotte for sure because – you know, I think this is now a great opportunity for him to shoot as much as he wants. Mm-hmm. And I think the Hornets were the team that drafted J.R. Smith originally, didn't they? Yes, and then the Nuggets ended up with him. Yep. And so I, and that's the guy that we've all compared him to nonstop. And I think that it's just a great chance for him to like really grow his game. And, mm-hmm. and you know, and he's going to be a high usage player there, I would think. Maybe not right away, but certainly early on within the first two years or so. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I just like the fit. And, you know, I wanted Monk at seven, as I told you, when the Bulls traded, made this trade. But early on in the process, we always said, and I mean, kudos to you for sticking with it, but we were saying that, you know, I don't see why or what about Monk is, like, special in right. terms of, what he brings, what you know he'll bring to the table. Yes, he can shoot. Yes, he's a good athlete. But, you know, he's not super tall. He's not very big. He's not in terms of, like, you know, with Kurt. You know, I, I think that um, that it made sense that he ended up where he was, given what his talents are. Yeah, doesn't rebound, doesn't play defense. Right, <laughs> right. Those guys are, I don't want to say a dime a dozen, but they're they're not super difficult to find. But there's obviously a place for them. And 12 is essentially that place. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, well, 11, but you, you have uh, Kennard at 12, 11, yeah. and I think we all, all saw that coming, right? Yeah, I love Kennard. I me mean, I, I was, I, I, I just really, as the process went on, I just liked him more and more. 
I think his feel for the game is going to be a, really a nice asset. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're talking about J.J. Reddick possibly going to your boys, mm-hmm. you know, what a valuable piece he is. And, you know, it's an easy comp. But, you know, I just – I think that that same kind of feel, that same kind of shooting um, – I don't know that Kennard will ever be the defender that Reddick has sort of turned into, mm-hmm. but I and I don't know that he'll bring that toughness. I, I really like his game. I think that if, if he's going to play, it's going to be a nice pick here, twelve, nice value pick. Yeah, I went ahead and uh, included JJ Reddick in our Twitter conversation the other day, but shockingly, he didn't chime in. <laughs> yeah, not very nice of JJ. I'm, I'm a lifelong JJ fan. Yeah, real, real jerk move. Uh... Donovan Mitchell goes 13 to the Jazz, and this has got to be a little troubling if you're a guy like Dante Exum, right? Ooh, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, I like Mitchell. I think everyone kind of fell from over the course of the, the draft process. There were teams in the lower lottery that were hoping to nab him, and mm-hmm. uh, or not lower lottery, but the early non-lottery, I guess. Not mm-hmm. just the Bulls, but I know the Bucks. Bucks really liked him and were allegedly trying to trade up for him, so... Um, but yeah, from Exum's perspective, this cannot look good for his uh, his development. I won't be he's on the block in the near future. Oh, uh, so Autobio goes fourteen, Jackson fifteen, Patton sixteen, DJ Wilson seventeen, which is a little bit surprising to me, but I can see what Milwaukee was going for. Can I tell you, I love Bucks wanted Bucks won't Adebayo badly, Did and when Bucks he wasn't there, I think they were they I think they were scrambling. Mm-hmm. Yep, when Dan was off the board, so. Yeah, that was a tough one. And, I mean, I, I don't like the Wilson pick there for them. Can I tell you I love the TJ Leaf pick to the Pacers at 16? If this, is oh. a, if this is a rebuilding team and all of a sudden you're starting off with shooters at the 4 and 5, that's such an advantage. Yeah, no doubt. You're talking about Miles and Tim? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, TJ Leaf and uh, and Miles. Uh, why can't I not think? And then if- Miles Turner. South Turner, and then you add potentially Crowder and, you know, uh, Jalen Brown, maybe, maybe Jalen Brown. Yeah. That's, that's not a bad place to start by any means for yeah. quote unquote rebuild. I mean, that's borderline competing for the playoffs in the East. Yeah. I mean, you're still going to have some other pieces too. I don't, you know, I'm, I, I'm not sure what happened with Teague, whether or not he, uh, he had declared for free agency, if he picked up his option or not, but you know, Thad Young's there. You have, you have some pieces to trade for sure. Um, mm-hmm. John Collins drops to 19 to the Hawks. This is a very Hawksy kind of move. At, uh, <laughs> yeah, it is. Does not surprise anybody. Giles, 20 to the Kings. The the Thunder shoot for the moon here with Terrence Ferguson at 21. And I wonder if this is a move that's going to pay off for them. I think our mock had this. Um, yeah, I don't know if it will or not, but it was definitely worth shooting for the moon on because – you know, the fact is, as long as you've got Westbrook, you're probably drafting in the 20s just on him alone and mm-hmm. with the roster the way it is. And so you've got to take some shots. I mean, what's, what good is it going to do them to get, like, another high floor and low ceiling type? I think that Ferguson's the type that could be better than that, and he could end up being a high ceiling, a high floor type as well. But I think that his, his ceiling is certainly one that it could, I mean, shot develops he could be really really good and be a really interesting fit next to Westbrook yeah for for me the comp was always uh, J.R. Smithy Mm. I don't know that he can shoot like that I mean I think that's the hope I mean you know that is that's what we're projecting of course but I mean Terrence Ferguson much like J.R. Smith actually J.R. Smith had a huge uh, Nike hoop summit as well or McDonald's All-American game might be confusing those two but 
Ferguson just caught fire in the Nike Hoop Summit. You know, he didn't play all that well in Australia, but he was a 19-year-old playing in Australia against grown men. So, interesting gamble. Um, at 22, the the, yeah. the Nets take Jared Allen and pair him with the new face of the franchise, D'Angelo Russell, who, by the way, Brooklyn Nets fans seem to hate. <laughs> Who's that? Who? Sorry, you broke up there. One a D'Angelo Russell. Oh, yeah. Nets well, fans so seem you, to right? hate him. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem. It seems like a common feeling. He got. Uh, that's interesting. He got. He got booed at Barclays when he was there the other night. Like, Ooh. that is. That's rough. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, uh, you know, that's. I would have been fine with Russell for what they gave up. I think it's it's a you know, it's a fine value. Oh yeah, for sure. By the Nets, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's it's the best look to go and boo the dude that you just spent them or just added. I, I thought that that was actually a pretty bold move, all things considered, but um, and a positive move. But you know, what what are you gonna do? Fans are gonna fan sometimes, as you're all too aware. Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. Uh, 23, the Raptors take OG Ananobi. Kind of saw that. Uh, 24, one of my guys. A little bit of a surprise for me, given where he went. The uh, the Nuggets take Tyler Lydon. Just seems a little bit redundant with some of the players they have. Although, if you believe, you know, we talk about rumors a lot. But if you if you believe the rumors, there that three team trade between the Nuggets, the Cavs, and the and the Pacers might be back on to some degree. And that would see uh, what's his name, Fareed, going to to Cleveland with Paul George. So, could be a little bit more room at power forward. Yeah, and I mean, I think Lydon's ready to go soon compared to a lot of the picks. So, um, and you know, you you know what his role is. I mean, there's obviously value in that, especially around this range. But uh, yeah, I think it's a, and it's an interesting pick for them as a shooting as a shooter in that front court because I think that they've sort of lacked that. And although. When you trade for Reed, now you're basically going for broke with that a little bit on yeah. that on that team. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting thing. Well, then aren't you at 25? And were you aware, by the way, that NBA TV was airing their own NBA draft coverage? <laughs> I was not aware. I watched their uh, mock draft before with David Aldridge and uh, Seiko Smith, I think, um, and it was. It was okay. It's nothing like NFL Network, to say the least. So I I was confused because, you know, NBA, that's never happened before. It's been on two stations. <clears throat> so I taped both just out of curiosity and, you know, just so I could see both both people talk about whatever picks Philadelphia made. And um, it was horrible. It was horrible. Uh, it looked like you and I were <laughs> putting on a national broadcast. So I guess ESPN... Well, that'd be amazing. Well, yeah, well, that's fair. But it, the, in terms of the... In terms of the look of it, it's, it would probably be pretty similar. Um, so ESPN obviously has a, a contract with, with the NBA in terms of the broadcasting rights. So NBA TV could not show the commissioner making draft picks. What? They just had the they, NBA's own network couldn't have their commissioner doing draft picks. Yeah, they couldn't show the commissioner doing draft picks. So, uh, oh so they just kind of talked about it, and there was this super weird animation, and there was this like – 
I don't know if you remember the first season of 24 what that ticking clock looked like <laughs> but that's yeah. that's kind of what the draft clock looked like it was so unbelievably horrible that i couldn't believe that they were actually moving forward with it like i would have thought mm-hmm. if it was me running this thing i'm producing it and we're three minutes in and i've realized how bad it is i'm pretending that there's some sort of cataclysmic problem and just we're just going off oh air. yeah we're just going off air. Right, i don't want to i don't want my name associated with this <laughs> or you just make fun of yourself nonstop. That's true. That actually has potential. That's true, uh, and that—that's probably the way we could have gone. But uh, yeah, the, the reason, and we would have. The, undoubtedly. Yeah, the reason I bring this up is when I was watching, uh, rewatching their coverage. I went to watch the Sixers picks right after the other draft ended. Um, and at twenty-five, the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers made a trade with the to get to jump up and take Anzis Pesceznik's, um, the big seven-foot-two Latvian center. And mm-hmm. this came like ESPN broke this news like around the twenty eight pick, twenty nine pick in the first round. Uh, the NBA, the NBA TV coverage already knew that it was the Seventy Sixers making the pick. So I thought that was oh, really? I thought that was interesting that they they knew it in advance. And they, I, I guess if I was going if I was on Twitter, I would have also known it. But I was pretty <laughs> I was uh I was behind this the pick of Pesachniks now. I probably would have taken Derek White if I had it to do over again, but mm. I'll take a I'll take a little seven foot two mini Porzingis. That's that can work. That works. For me. <laughs> hey, we already got the mini Porzingis in Chicago, all right? Who do you? No, stop it. He is he is one side. Sorry, mini Derek, mini Derek. Okay, yeah, that that's fine, mini Derek. Is... Yeah, that's fine. We'll yeah. take take mini Derek. <laughs> yeah, poor guy. Um, yeah, I, I was okay with that. That's an that's an interesting gamble. I liked it too. I did too. He's you know he's going to be overseas. It seems like all three of the the international players the 76ers took are going to be overseas for a couple of years. Um, really? Which, yeah, which seems to be uh, sort of counterintuitive to what Jonah Bolden was saying, who we took at 36, and who uh, our uh, our hardwood homies podcast host Jackson Hoy is uh, absolutely in love oh. with. Jackson had him. Jackson mm-hmm. had Jonah Bolden at number six on his. Uh, his top prospects list. So yeah, he is obsessed with them. So, so that portends well. Yeah, I'm happy with that. But Bolton said he wants to come right over. Our GM came out and said they're probably all overseas for a couple of years, uh, which is fine because the the final of those Matthias Lasort is never going to hit the hardwood for Philadelphia. Um, <laughs> but just uh, closing out this first round, Caleb Swanigan, 26 to Portland. I know. I think that might be where I think you may have said Swanigan goes twenty six. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I, I had Swanigan several picks in a row though, so <laughs> I was also the only one that had Tatum of the Celtics, which made no sense. So. Yeah, seriously. I, I, <laughs> you know, I, I get that you might want to stay away from some rumor, but it seems like foregone conclusion they were going to pick Tatum. Jackson didn't even work out for them. Whether or not the Suns played a big part in that, uh, we'll never know for sure. But. But yeah, it seemed like Jackson wanted to be there. It seemed like Jackson, yes, Jackson wanted to be a Phoenix Sun, and uh, and Tatum was the it was the foregone conclusion that Tatum would be a Celtic. But you know, that's neither here nor there. Uh, Twenty seven, the Lakers take Kyle Kuzma, who you know, big name. Your guy. Sure, sure, my guy, uh, Kyle Kuzma. Um, See, I <laughs> yeah. When I think of this draft, and I think that the Bulls could have ended up with Kuzma in your world. And instead got Don Levine <laughs> and Markinen, um, despite giving up Jimmy Butler. I will take that trade off. So Kuzma and Butler for Markinen, Levine, and uh, and uh, right. Kristan, not bad. 
Yeah, it's yeah, not bad. But yeah. I, I'm just talking about, you know, you know for a fact Kuzma was a hot name coming into the draft. Oh, and he was a, a top of the Bulls board, too. I'm sorry, I'm mildly surprised they take him at seven. <laughs> well, who knows if that was for uh, better or worse once we see how Markinen <laughs> translates. But, uh, oh, ouch. 28, no, I like, you know, That's I like Markinen. Uh, 28, the Jazz take Tony Bradley. It's a good gamble, one I was kind of hoping would slide to the Sixers in the second round. 29 begins the process of breaking my heart. The Spurs take Derek White, future second-team All-NBA member Derek White. And um, the Lakers wrap up the first round. You love Derek White. I do. The Lakers end up uh, wrapping up the first round, taking Josh Hart uh, from Villanova at 30, the other guy that... I wanted, and the first two seniors to be selected in the 2017 NBA draft. Oh, that's amazing to me. But, Unbelievable. Uh, things uh, got more interesting from there on Shukana. And, uh, you know, we both kind of got screwed, but, you know, yours hurts a little bit less when we factor everything in. At 38, the Chicago Bulls select Jordan Bell, power forward center oh. from Oregon. Seems like a, an ideal fit for a young and you know, Love potentially, Bell. potentially rebuilding team. It's a big Anshu kind of guy. And then, did did you know they traded him, or did I was did I tell you? You told me. You're like, okay. well, that's going to the Warriors. Yes, Jordan Bell traded to the Golden State Warriors for $3.5 million. Uh, hey, up yeah. next, the 76ers come up. Take Juwan Evans. He fell. You know, probably could have gone Love in the early that. 20s. Love that fit for Philly. Great backup point guard and kind of interesting because, you know, Evans could play point guard in the summer league and let Foles play off the ball like he's going to in the in the NBA, playing off the ball to Simmons. So it's a, it's, a, it's a nice little fit. You know, it's a good backup point guard, something we haven't had in a while. And he gets traded. And? To, and he gets traded to the Los Angeles Clippers for $100,000. <laughs> I do not not at all understand what these deals are about like like the cap i get it there's i guess there's like the cap mm-hmm. exemption, right or the trade exemption that's created the flexibility that you get but it's not no the, these aren't about 3. trade 5 million. yeah these are uh, no because they don't actually have value because they have they haven't signed a contract with your team this is just you trading yeah. rights there's no trade exemption so there's no the money just goes directly into the owner's pocket. Correct. Yeah, it goes into operations. The uh, hope. Fantastic. Yeah. So that's good. So I mean, so what it owners, creates is it's and, money. It creates, but it instead of making the pick, mm-hmm. you basically get the extra roster spot and whatever that pick would be making in that scenario, right? I mean, sure, but second round contracts are not guaranteed. So really, why not try them out? Really, all you're getting is well. You, uh, all you're getting is the money, and at least you got $3.5 million. I got $100,000 for the very next pick. That is by far the lowest number that I have ever seen a draft pick traded for. Did they explain that? No. Like why that was? No, I have gotten And then, you know, we come back up in eight picks. Take another guy that I like, Sterling Brown, good three-point shooter from uh, from SMU. Mm-hmm. Seems like yep. okay, okay, good fit. You know, he'll he yeah. could potentially be a two-way guy on one of those two dead G League contracts. Makes sense to me. Uh-huh. We trade him to the Bucks. Big sleeper, yeah. Oops, there he goes. And uh, yeah, I I haven't actually seen how much money we got for them. I, I just assume that he got like a copy of Dances with Wolves on VHS or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, that's right. Um. So yeah, at least you got. 
at least you had a couple of minutes of Jordan Bell and $3.5 million. I, I traded two guys I really liked for, you know, a, a, a VHS tape and $100,000. <laughs> hey, what VHS tape was it? That's the I only said, question. I said it was Dances with Wolves. Well, if that's it, then yes. Then it's not a good deal. Not Costner and his But if best, you got, say, Angels in the Outfield or one of the other great elite baseball movies we talked about a few weeks ago, oh, then God. different story. Look, did, did Bauer live up to his word and at least give you some crap about that? No, he oh. all he said was he talked to you. What a bastard! I'm alright. Yeah, he's gonna get a nasty email from me right now. Just a coward. Yeah, yeah send it to him. The, the scum of the earth, a pure coward, Daniel Bauer. <laughs> scum of the earth. Perfect. And honestly, a pretty shady lawyer, from what I hear. Very absolutely true. Do not hire Bauer Stevenson for any of your legal needs. I, I okay. That those those comments are the opinions of Anshu Shikana and not those of Deepish Thoughts or myself in in general. Uh, I, I, you know, we like to make that very really clear. Not, you haven't had to use the disclaimer nearly as much this year as in previous years. I feel like with our oh, shows, hundred no, percent true, hundred percent true. But I am going to go ahead and use it here as we're potentially committing <laughs> slander against a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> so yeah i think he's great for for the record a, a bastard in in the cheekiest way possible in this particular situation but yeah great you're the one who called him a bastard uh, but i didn't know i actually did call this scummy lawyer too anyway yeah. that's yeah. the deepest thoughts podcast episode number 29 we're gonna be making some cuts uh yeah. no 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 cuts but uh you know hopefully uh these these podcasting sponsorships that we have coming up can cover our legal fees <laughs> we're gonna need him for sure uh, this is uh, episode 29 Chris Forbidell he's on Chukana thanks for listening we'll see you back here next week